welcome to the Ghouls Magazine podcast, a podcast that looks at horror through the female perspective. I am your host today and my name is Zoe. Once again, we return with our regular slot, which is Ghouls Watch. This is a monthly episode where we chat about what we've been watching recently. Usually it can be anything from something old, something new, something blue. You get the gist, but I don't think any of us are getting married. Actually, one person is soon. But anyway, we'll come on to that, I guess. Which we're doing this week uh, and we're tying it back into our monthly theme which is the squelchy gooey ooey and very very sticky body horror so we will be sharing some of our recent body horror watches perhaps reads or even games we have been playing before we get started into our episode if you like what ghouls magazine do which i mean if you're listening to this of course you do then you could consider becoming a member. Uh, You will get monthly bonus content. It's also a great way to support us, help us keep keep running, delivering the goods to you. It's just $4.99 per month. Um, You get the goods and we stay alive. Everything's in the show notes, so you can go there and find out more. Alrighty, I have done enough of my rambling. So today I am joined by three of my fellow ghouls, Iona, would you like to say hello and introduce yourself? Indeed. Hello, everyone. Uh, I am Iona and I am a senior contributor for Ghouls magazine. Uh, When I'm not doing Ghouls, you can usually just find me rambling on the internet and every now and then just popping into other podcasts to say my piece and usually defend Final Destination. It's kind of my, kind of turned into my thing, really. I was literally, as soon as you were saying that, I was like, she's going to mention Final Destination, like, of course. Your girl's got to stay on brand, what can I say? (laughs) We love it, we're here for it. And next up, we have Ariel. Would you like to say hello and introduce yourself? Absolutely. Hi, I'm Ariel Vasca. I am a filmmaker, uh, podcaster, author, and now festival director of Access Horror, which is coming up July 8th and 9th, which I think will have already happened by the time this recording goes live. But it's really exciting to be here and be with my fellow ghouls. I am also a contributor to Ghouls Magazine and absolutely love everything Zoe does. I'm a total stan of Zoe Rose Smith. But yeah. Here well, we now I'm just blushing, aren't I? <laughs> But it this will air after um, Access Horror. But anyone that has not attended it, well, then you're basically an idiot because it's going to be the hottest event of the horror world this year. And I am very excited to see what you've got planned um, and watch everything that you've got on the slate. So last but certainly not least, Melissa, over to you. Hi, um, I'm Melissa, and I'm also a contributor at Ghouls Magazine, um, where at the moment, um, for our for our members only, so if you become a member, you can read it. Uh, I'm doing a monthly themed collections of my some of my favourite short horror films um, that I've found. And yeah, like I own it, I can be found rambling on the internet. I'm usually obsessing about found footage horror um, and or short films and or both, which is my favourite thing. Your recent list um, about the pairings of the short horror films mm-hmm. with the feature films, I was like, okay, now I've got way too much <laughs> to watch. Um, and you mentioned one on there, which was Curve, 
I remember watching and being like, oh my God, this is like the most stressful short horror film I've ever seen in my life. It's only like eight minutes long, but it's an incredibly stressful eight minutes. But it's very, very good. Love it. Yeah, yeah. You do some fantastic um, short horror film recommendations over on there. So yes, anyone can check that out. So today, as mentioned, we are talking about body horror. Um, The reason for doing this is that it's summer, it's sweaty, it's nasty. You know, what else is better than talking about our our gooey bodies during um, the heat wave that we're currently having in the UK and feeling like we are literally melting into the floor and becoming a puddle of our own mass. So we are going to be talking about some of the recent um, films that we've been watching or books and we're just going to go around and get into it so I am going to pick on who am I going to pick on first I'm going to pick on you Melissa what have you been watching or reading or playing lately cool so um very recent I've watched a a classic body horror by a classic body horror director so the other day I re-watched uh, David Cronenberg's The Brood um which is one you know one of his yeah, absolute classics of the the kind of maternal uh, body horror or kind of, you know, psychic body horror with, uh, I guess we can do spoilers for 1979 films. <laughs> but, uh, the kind of uh, a, a woman who goes to a therapist and has her sort of her rage externalised into sort of these strange children um, that essentially carry out the, the sort of revenge uh, on people that have angered her that she feels she can't do. So it's all, all kind of repression, but with a very visceral body horror bit and a very famous uh, sort of finale scenes with some some strange external birthing going on. <laughs> so that's my sort of um, a one classic one. And I've also been catching up on the recent series of Black Mirror, um, which I've promised I own it, no spoilers, because can't <laughs> be yeah. booed off of Netflix. <laughs> Thank you. It's much appreciated. I am so behind on it and I'm really upset about it. <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll have a little chat with that, but there'll be no spoilers. The only thing, the main thing I was going to talk about happens very early on in one of the episodes. So no spoilers for anyone out there who's not caught up with Black Mirror, who didn't binge it like in one day <laughs> like I did. And I've also just been reading uh, one of my favourite author, Jinji Ito's um, books from a while ago, but I've just bought it recently, um, called Black Paradox, which is hard to describe but like any good Jinjito it's got a lot of body horror in it. I I have to make a confession I've never seen The Brood I have it on DVD um I think we'll so I've it. got is it good has anyone it's... else seen it Iona Ariel have you seen it? I adore The Brood it is one of my absolute favorites it's like the it's it's it really is like ooey gooey kind of body horror in the big like reveal under the under the clothes <laughs> it's so so good honestly Zoe I I definitely think you should prioritize that on your watch list because I feel like you would really enjoy it I mean I do love anything that's a bit disgusting we all know that <laughs> there's definitely some disgusting bits in it but is sure. it your is it a rewatch for you Melissa have you seen it a few times yeah, I think I must have seen it. I've definitely seen it several times. Maybe it might be like fourth or fifth time, or sometimes I've just sort of popped in. But yeah, a lot of, I've, yeah, David Cronenberg sort of early earlier films are sort of my my weird comfort rewatches, <laughs> which is uh, it's on things. I'm sort of not 
weirdly, I'm not very good with a lot of gore. Like, I think a lot of the things probably that Zoe, you could, you love, I would struggle with a bit. Um, but somehow I think Cronenberg's kind of gore, it seems it's on the verge of fantastical. It's not quite real, even though it's very visceral. Um, although The Fly is always a tricky rewatch because that's got a lot of fingernails coming off and things but the brood is oh, i love it <laughs> it's like i love it but it's oh um it's very strong yeah the brood is again it's it's based on this like like a lot of chrono so there's like such a fantastical sort of concept that your you know the sort of manifestation of your emotions can just physically come out of you and start roaming around in the world That's doing literally... things my worst nightmare. This is why I'm not having kids because I'm like, oh, they're going to be <laughs> horrible little demon monsters. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the brood is brood definitely is a, Zoe. It's 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 very like an anti anti having kids kind of film. <laughs> it's a it's a no no no. Let's let's not bring children into the world just in case. Are you a fan of this one, Ariel? Unfortunately, I've never actually seen this one. I've seen. Almost every David Cronenberg film many, many times, except for The Brood. Um, and I'm specifically talking about another Cronenberg film. And like, I, I, I can't believe this is such a huge gap in my horror knowledge, unfortunately. Well, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like we're going to have to have a watch party of The Brood. <laughs> I think so. I think I'm just, so. I'm, it's one of those ones that I'm, jealous of you two that you get to watch it for the first time i'm not gonna lie like i couldn't be on like a video chat or something with you guys when you watch it for the first time because i would be just be watching your reactions and just watching your faces it's that kind of film like me and melissa would just be in the corner like virtually nudging each other being like hey hey it's coming up it's coming up <laughs> well i think we found our next live stream then done <laughs> oh hell yeah and what about black mirror because i also binged it in one day I I've seen a lot of people kind of not love it but I absolutely loved this season very different but I felt like it was more mm. horror-esque so I'm keen to hear what what episode obviously we're no spoilers because I know like please don't um <laughs> I love you guys thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah for Iona and uh, the rest of anyone who's not caught up on season six yet yet no spoilers the the bit they're going to talk about it's the the concepts introduced in like the first five minutes of the episode so it's very much like the premise um yeah I agree with you Zoe it feels a lot more horror um than previous Black Mirrors although obviously it's all very dystopian it's since it's the more the most sort of classically horror episodes and several of them are since I think um the only one that was really super horror was like the play test one where he goes into the sort of uh haunted house VR um, situation that's that's the only other one I can think of that was so strongly horror um the one I'm thinking of with body horror specifically is um the longest one beyond the sea which is um the premise if you haven't watched it is that it's set in like an alternate sort of late 60s where there is you know the US is doing space missions um uh, this one's like an unspecified space mission I don't know if they're going to the moon or something else the mission itself we don't really get to see them doing a huge amount of that but the the kind of black mirror technological twist is that the two astronauts are up in space but they have perfect 
sort of robotic android replicas of themselves on earth which they can up in their their sort of their ship they have like a kind of special bed sort of almost like a docking station where they can kind of plug their consciousness and then inhabit their i think they call them is it duplicates or replicas or um something like that so they can then their consciousness can go back and inhabit that on earth and they can essentially spend time with their families just be out in the world whilst you know if they if they don't have their space chores to do at the time they can have a little lie down and instead of just being on their tin can they can go and hang out with their normal lives but it's a very kind of uncanny concept having it's it's very uncanny value. they're obviously like perfect replicas they're just played by the actors um that you know they, they don't look at all androidy and it's very especially seeing it in a 1960s kind of setting it's like this unnerving like vintage uh vintage futuristic horror and the sort of concept of there's and it becomes throughout throughout the episode with no spoilers the lines between like who you really are are you your body are you your mind are you sort of a combination of both it all becomes very blurred so i thought it was really interesting body horror episode even though there's very little what we'd I think classically think of as like the kind of the gooey bits of body horror aren't there but I think it's what's interesting is the idea of having a, a sort of a human body that has none of that gooeyness to it is also quite horrific it's this perfect kind of antiseptic non-fleshy body that still looks like flesh is very peculiar it's so good and also it has Josh Hartnett who I have an insane obsession with it has oh, yeah. Aaron Paul and it has Rory Culkin. I was like, did someone just get inside my mind and be like, put them all in, put them all in this? I mean, what the fuck? It's amazing. I mean, I knew the first two were in it, but I did not know that Rory Culkin is it. And I need to see that immediately because, you know, I have a thing for the Culkins. Anything to do with any of the Culkins, <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> have oh, you God. have you seen it, Ariel? I actually also have not seen this like Iona and I haven't had time to get on Netflix to watch Black Mirror yet, but I'm really looking forward to it now that I hear Melissa's review. This is exciting. Yeah, it's good. It's very, all the episodes, again, it's, uh, again, they've got quite a sort of all-star cast going on. It took me a little while to recognize Josh Hartnett and then I suddenly clicked and I was like, oh my God, it's Hartnett. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> And like, he hasn't been in you. one. He hasn't been in anything for uh, the last time I saw him was at a theatre show in London. Um, and me and my friend dragged our our mums to it and waited outside. And we met Josh Hartnett, and I bawled my eyes out. I was like, "This is the best." I was like fifteen. I was like, "This is the best moment of my entire life." He's so lovely. <laughs> I'm just imagining baby Zoe like having having a fangirl moment. That brings me so much joy. <laughs> he's he's so he's so nice. Um, all right, enough of enough of Hartnett because otherwise we're going into a new episode <laughs> and we're going to tell you way too much about my obsession with that man. We um, we can save that for like a, a members only first episode or something. Yeah. <laughs> Done. We're, we're <laughs> making it happen. Look, we're just future planning throughout this episode. Perfect. And your final pick was Junji Ito. I've forgotten the name of the book, but tell me more because that is body yeah. horror through and through. Oh, he loves it. Yeah, the book is called Black Paradox. It's kind of like, I guess, sort of novella kind of like it's like a standalone story. Um, 
yeah, I love Ginger Joe. I'm I'm like I'm maybe not in the same way as with Josh Hartnett, but if I ever met Ginger Joe, I'd probably collapse and have a little cry and be like, Oh my god, Ginger, I love you. Um He's so weird, but he'd probably get very embarrassed because he seems like a very sort of sweet, <laughs> shy person. Um, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. <laughs> so, but yeah, Black Pride it's like, like most of his stuff, it's quite hard to describe, and I won't. I'd really recommend it as I'd recommend all of his stuff, but it's, it sort of starts off with four main characters who meet online in a forum and form, a, like a form a suicide pact essentially and meet up. Um, but when they do, various sort of strange things start happening. You know, one or two of them start noticing some weird stuff. Other people show up who look like them. Um, so they end up not going through with any kind of pact, but instead discovering sort of strange things about each other, strange things going on. It ends up with a sort of discovery of a new mineral that has apparent unlimited power but is also somehow connected to uh, a sort of another spirit dimension and so on. <laughs> so just your normal kind of, your classic tale of, you know, spirit dimensions, minerals, unusual people and uh, body horror. But yeah, in, in classic style, there's some extremely visceral pages, um, especially the the sort of discovery of the new substance comes when one of them just starts vomiting them up. They're like kind of hard, almost look like little crystal balls. And he just starts sort of uncontrollably vomiting these. And then there's a sort of portal in his stomach. It's hard to explain, but they're all coming through that. And he ends up kind of expanding with this substance so much he actually explodes, um, which is quite a drawing. <laughs> and I think my, I will sell it on my favorite body horror part of the book which I've just got over here, is just before this this moment happens, in classic sort of a bit of understatement, the character just goes, I guess my body is not okay. <laughs> I was like, that's a good body horror line. Sounds like uh, what we all say after we've been drinking, right? Or, you know, not treating ourselves well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I, I actually, I'm really glad you brought this one up, Melissa, because I actually read this at the beginning of, of the year. Um, one of my friends who knows that I love oh, cool. Junji Ito um, got, got me it for my birthday. And I think I read it in oh. like the space of an afternoon. <laughs> was just yeah. like, I just need to keep going. I need to keep going. Yeah. But, um, oh my God, some of the double pages, the illustrations oh, of yeah. like the full, yeah. like the expansive like detail they go into is like, Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> it's I really mean, yes. good. I mean, it's audio, but my fellow girls can see this on camera, so I can hold up a little. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And I will be honest, <laughs> like, so I am so such good. I am such a Junji Ito nerd that I actually bought the Japanese language version as well. Love so that. that I could I could directly compare the lettering, because I, that's one thing I always find fascinating is like looking at Junji Ito in terms of what he does with the language in the original Japanese versus in the English translation and how like the shape of the characters dictates so much. I, I don't actually speak Japanese, but I'm, I'm, I know enough to be dangerous. And so <laughs> I, I like to kind of explore with his work in particular, like, 
with both Black Paradox and Uzumaki, like I, I just love deep diving into how the characters reflect the body horror, like the actual brushstrokes and the body horror collide in this beautiful way. Anyway, I'm just such a nerd, but I love it. We, we, we absolutely love, yeah. (laughs) Like, like we love the expansive look into it. It's like, I feel like the, like the ghouls gang ourselves could have like a separate like chat for Junji O stuff because I know there's quite a few of us in the in the group that really really love his work but sometimes I feel like such a um like a beginner with it because even though like I used to read like a lot of manga and stuff when I was growing up and I didn't really get into the horror stuff until like quite far down the line so I feel like I kind of want to like learn from all of you that are like a little bit more kind of educated and like teach me your ways like give me all of this information it's so interesting I mean, you can just see, I like the fact with, with Ginger, a lot of them are relatively standalone. So like with Black Paradox, it's quite short. You can just dive in, um, yeah. literally into the fleshy spirit world. Um, <laughs> the area, I'm jealous of, if I had the shelf space, I'd have all kinds of Ginger things. But yeah, I will say, I also got got given it as a birthday present this year. So that's, you know, for anyone out there, if you've got a Ginger fan in your life, give them Black Paradox. It's a hit. It's a p- pretty good present. That is, uh, I, I, the only thing I've seen of, of Junji Ito, I've got a, I bought myself a Uzumaki, um, book, which I still haven't read. I just flipped through it and I was like, oh, this looks disgusting. It's creeping me out. And then I think I watched, um, there was like a Netflix adaptation and it gave me the fucking creep so much that I never finished it. I was like, Ugh. I was like, it's making me feel really uncomfortable. Um, but I feel like we are big big fans of it and I saw the other day in a in a shop an amazing jumper a Junji Ito jumper and I was like oh I kind of want it but I'm not a fan of enough so now I'm upset I didn't buy it for all of you because it feels like all three of you need that jumper so Christmas presents sorted I've sorted them so next up then with your three picks Ariel it's over to you all right. Well, my first pick is actually a short film from Guillermo del Toro called Geometria. And this is something that I happen to have the immense good fortune of having a Josh Hartnett moment with my personal idol, Guillermo del Toro. Um, and uh, I met him in Portland, Oregon. Um, he recorded a brief intro to my festival, Access Horror and uh, just shared his general love of weirdos and monsters. And it's so lovely to actually meet a hero who is genuinely heroic in the flesh. And meeting Guillermo at an event that was celebrating him, um, and then, you know, getting to see retrospectives of all of his films on 35 millimeter was really something really remarkable because I got to hear him talk about the making of Geometria um, in the lecture in conversation and then actually see it afterward. And this is a short film about a young boy who summons a demon because he doesn't want to fail his math test again. And so he is like, so he's, his, his mother is watching an, 
an exorcist style kind of movie in the other room and he's sitting there with the spell book and tries to summon something and create a pentagon and you know make all this happen what's wonderful about the film though is that it's you know Dario Argento inspired lighting so it's got the high reds and blues Guillermo del Toro voices everyone including his own mother um it's actually Guillermo del Toro's mother who plays the boy's mother in the film and so like everybody's voice including the demon's voice is Guillermo del Toro and it is just delightful and magical and it is probably the funniest thing I have seen in a short film in a very long time but the creature effects on the demon and the other monsters is just out of this world I'm not going to give away the ending of the film in case any of you are able to find it on YouTube or elsewhere but um, I just want to say like it is Stunning. Like you can tell that Guillermo del Toro spent, you know, countless, countless thousands of hours doing creature effects uh, because, you know, his work on this is just absolutely breathtaking. So just really ooey and oozy and gooey, and it's just delightful. This short sounds amazing, but I also just want to go back to your point because when you dropped, that video of you with Guillermo del Toro in the ghouls chat, I feel like we were all like, oh shit, this is, I was like, this is next level cool. Like, what the hell? So amazing. Yeah, yeah, all of us were definitely freaking out in that moment. I think at least four of us sent something to do with the word fuck. <laughs> so we're all just like, I can't believe this is happening. This is so exciting. I was so, so jealous of you for, for that moment. But also it was so cool. Also, like it makes me really happy that he is exactly as we would like want him to be. I know it sounds really ridiculous, but you know, with a lot of like directors and never meet your heroes and exactly. exactly. yeah. you can meet yeah. Guillermo del Toro and he'll be nice. I mean, if I if I ever met Guillermo de Toro, I don't think I'd be able to physically speak. So I am like so proud of you, Ariel, for being able to be like, hey, hi. (laughs) And I don't know if I'm allowed to go off on a tangent and tell you the whole story, but like, please do. Let's okay for it. Okay, if I'm allowed to go off on a tangent, like, okay, so this whole event was celebrating Guillermo del Toro. We were told in advance he has a stalker. He doesn't want to be approached with like autographs and things and like additionally like we don't want people fangirling over him and so the whole staff was like put under very severe instructions to like not approach in any way shape or form and so I got extremely nervous about all of this I knew that Doug Jones was presenting him with an award and so I was like you know what I'm just not even going to go after Guillermo. I'm not going to ask Guillermo for anything. I'm just going to approach Doug Jones because it's like that thing in A Beautiful Mind where like you don't go for the hottest girl at a party. You go for the number two because that's much more mathematically possible. So I was like, all right. So Doug Jones is the number two in this particular scenario and I'll go for Doug Jones. And then we get to the party and we're avoiding people like you do, because it's just too many people in one tight space. 
Turns out Guillermo is doing exactly the same thing. And so we're in the very last room of the exhibit and we're both walking toward each other. And I have this moment of, oh shit, what am I supposed to do now? And I just turned it on and I was like, hello, I'm the director of Access Horror and blah, 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 blah. And like, he was like, great, great. And what do you want me to do? And I'm like, would you record a video with me? Absolutely. Talk to my schedule guy. I want to know when this is. This sounds amazing. And like, he just was delightful and wonderful and so generous. Doug Jones also was, by the way, like Doug Jones, incidentally, was very, very lovely and very gracious and wanted to get in touch as well. So anyway, but yeah, like, that's my story. That's absolutely wild. I mean, like, I mean, also, it's amazing that Doug Jones is also a really nice human being. That makes me happy as well. But I like, obviously, this is a podcast, so no one is going to be able to like know or like see what we're doing. But while the entire time you were describing that story, I was just clutching my chest like some like <laughs> like some like shocked woman from Victorian times. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's I do so like it was cool. like well you actually managed to bump in it's like we were both avoiding everybody yeah. <laughs> we found each other when in when in doubt be antisocial and it works in your favor <laughs> it really really does it really really does that's absolutely wild yeah that is that is an amazing story like so cool and I'm so glad that he's as we as we all mentioned I'm so glad that he's nice as well because I think you know there's so many people and it is like it's like oh they're going to be as nice as that as they seem and he's and he just seems so cute he just seems yeah. cute <laughs> he does he is. he is he just seems like a proper little sweetheart that you just want to like sit down and have a cup of tea with like not someone that you want to go like crazy partying or something just like you'd have like a nice little conversation with him like have a cuppa talk about life you know the nice boy the nice oh. boy so what <laughs> is your second pick Ariel so my second pick, I'm going to continue in the Guillermo theme and I'm going to go with Crimson Peak specifically because I love the ghosts of Crimson Peak and the ghosts inside of Crimson Peak to me have the most incredible body horror. Like you've got these, these again, very oozy creations you know, that are draped in red and blue. And, you know, it, it they're they're positively dripping. And I'm always so blown away by the character design of Crimson Peak and rewatching it. I think really I was quite fascinated with how these elements of body horror and distortion and disability come through in these ghosts as well. And so I thought that was really fascinating. And I actually did talk to Guillermo about that. And he was like, well, yeah, everyone in my family had a disability and everybody in my family was also Catholic, but don't hold that against them, you know? And uh, anyway, but it was, it was really lovely to be able to talk to him about seeing these themes popping up within his work and, you know, and seeing it within the ghosts, I, I feel like the distortions and the disabilities and the deformities are, are so incredibly visceral and, 
And as I said, ooey gooey, it it really brings a whole other dimension to that film that otherwise could have been just, you know, a gothic romance and was marketed as such even. I was I was so surprised by Crimson Peak because usually I'm not I'm not like big into ghosts or gothic horror and I was like mm, will I like it and I was at the end of it I was like wow this film is like you said it has so many elements to it it's got lots of body horror the ghosts are phenomenal I just thought it looked stunning as well and mm. I mean Del Toro he's so good at you know taking any kind of story and making it look good kind of the style come through but yeah I really really loved Crimson Peak and I feel like it doesn't get enough love as it deserves to be honest I absolutely agree with that I don't think anywhere near enough people appreciate it and in fact my friend Andy said to Guillermo I think you're responsible for this Victorian revival we've had you know internationally and he was like yeah, I, w- I wish, I wish the audiences, they didn't come for Crimson Peak. And it, it was, it's so sad because I feel like that film really is a masterwork. I really do. I do like with, like you were saying about the, all the sort of gooiness. It's like, it's, it's very rare for a ghost film for, for the ghost to feel like so there. And I think that's something in, in Del Toro's work. It's like everything always feels like very, present and that it's affecting things I think some some ghost films it can feel like you know it's a sort of just it's so ephemeral that it's like it's just kind of wispy kind of nothing shadow ghosts sometimes but they're those ghosts are really are really going for it essentially yeah yeah I agree I I feel a lot more threatened by that type of ghost than someone who's just kind of going woo in the corner and that you can kind of half see-through and doesn't really interact with you at all I'm, I'm kind of like cool that's that's interesting but this kind of ghost is like oh I might actually die <laughs> yeah Absolutely. those ghosts are interesting ghosts um what's your third pick Ariel my third pick is crimes of the future bringing it back to David Cronenberg and I have to say I was so delighted with this film like I I love David Cronenberg when he's in his full-on futurist self because I I find and it it's funny because there are so many pieces to crimes of the future to like hold on to basically because it's a film uh, about the relationship between two performance artists who perform surgeries uh, publicly, uh, played by Vigo Mortensen and Lea Seydoux. And it is so beautiful to watch these orchestrated scenes of body horror as performance art in this, you know, using beautiful organic matter that looks like insects and really to me was very evocative of his work on existence i don't know if other people here have seen existence but existence is one of my favorite uh david cronenberg films actually in spite of the fact that most people don't know it um i love existence it's it's one of my favorites too i think it's it's almost a perfect film it's yeah and it's such a late 90s film I absolutely adore existence 
it is such a late 90s film and it's and it's very um um it i don't want to say it's on brand with the matrix but it it is very it has a lot of similarities to the matrix and a lot of what it's doing but it has this beautiful body horror way of looking at things and between that and the and crimes of the future like i i was so blown away with the constructions within crimes of the future i was blown away with the way that it sort of re recreated an entire culture around what art and performance are and i found that absolutely fascinating and it's like Oh my God, leave it to David Cronenberg to completely carve out a new niche for horror, right? Like it's not enough that we are the weirdos. Like we have to be front and center in the middle of the cultural conversation. And I I love I love that he did that in that film. And I love the performances. I just I was so blown away by everything about it. I mean, Kristen Stewart, I oh ho ho ho. Oh, sorry. I, yeah, like, um, I, I just, I'm so blown away by that film and I don't know how you guys reacted to it. I'm assuming you had at least similarly fangirly moments to me. I'm hoping. I, I mean, anything with you going, hell yes. Anything with Christian Stewart in, hell yes. So I was like the, the, radar was going off me the entire time of just like this is one of the sexiest films I've maybe seen in the last few years in like all the good ways but also definitely made me feel incredibly dirty because of how sexy I found it um it was (laughs) so good I I'm really glad that I watched it on my own (laughs) because I just started having all of these like kind of feelings um totally outing myself as being a surgery is the new sex stan from now on um but yeah, it was gorgeous and like stunning and the cinematography was beautiful and like the acting was so on point for what I wanted it to be. It was honestly, I think, one of my favourite films of last year. Mm. Although technically for me this year, because I did see it at the beginning of this year. But yeah, it was just gorgeous. Just imagining I only sit there being like, ooh, look at all them ears. Like, yes! All the ears. <laughs> I mean, you basically, you basically <laughs> just read my mind. I was like, oh, hello here, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I was all about it. Oh, my gosh. I love that moment. I really love that moment with all of the ears. And this is the time for listening. And oh, my gosh. it was. I mean, if you want to be on the nose about like a certain kind of art, art, artistry, I guess, then ear boy is definitely the the, the one to go for there. For sure, for sure. I am. I'm actually going to upset you all because I really didn't vibe with Crimes of the Future. I fell asleep because I was like, "This is the most boring thing I've ever seen." But, but I'm not a big fan of David Cronenberg in general. I found that I just, I don't know what it is, but I'm not like I don't get on with his films super well. But on the flip side, Brandon Cronenberg. I love I like everything he does I'm like five stars it, he could probably shit on a plate and I'm like that's a five star movie body <laughs> horror give me it like I love it and and it's weird because they've got a lot of similarities but I feel like maybe David Cronenberg for me is too 
body horror it's not necessarily like my go-to um even though I obviously like nasty gross things I like that David uh Brandon Cronenberg brings in a lot of like the mind horror with the body so yeah I I didn't love crime for the future but I did also really love Kristen Stewart that was I was like if I take anything away from this she's yeah she's amazing so you know I vibed with that bit I mean, I, I am questioning about whether we can be friends anymore after you saying that, but it's okay. I think I can fair. forgive you because Christian Stewart is pretty on point in there. <laughs> I think I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm kind of like halfway, I think. I was like, I definitely enjoyed it. And, but then almost on the flip side of what Zoe said, I'm such a David Cronenberg fan that I will probably like anything he does, even even ones, if it was somebody else, we would be like, mm, not so much, but I'm like, it's still got Cronenberg-y feeling to it and that's something that I just love I think I really um I think the the bits that I sort of preferred almost and found the most disturbing were the parts of almost apart from the performance artists and their um their sort of parts and you know there's I think the whole concept they had of that you know not to go too spoilers because it's quite new but there is there's, there's been a sort of an evolution like a shift in humans and there's some people who can like um you know consume like inorganic matter and it's just very and it's sort of it's that sort of slightly disturbing thing that's just it's in the background of this film's world but it's and so no one directly comments on it a huge amount to begin with but it's there's lots of just little things that keep creeping in it's like this world is very off kilter and very strange and that you know and that's really shown as well by off kilter performances like Kristen Stewart's um so I found that I think I feel like it's maybe one of those ones that I'll watch it again and probably it'll grow on me more. But um, it was, yeah, it was a bit of odd one. Also, I just sort of watched it in the afternoon at the cinema, which is, I don't know, you know, sometimes it's not. It's like, sort of, I don't know if this is like an art sunny afternoon film. <laughs> so maybe it <laughs> yeah. wasn't quite the right time. But I feel like it will be a grower. Look, growing on me like many years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I will say there is actually another film from 1970 called Crimes of the Future that was on movie recently. And I started to play that thinking it was this Crimes of the Future. And it was boring as dirt. <laughs> it was, you know, four characters who are, you know, in some kind of asylum situation. And you're just watching them, and it was extraordinarily boring. And I was like, this can't, this can't possibly be the inspiration for that movie. And then I watched this movie, and I really don't see the relationship between the 1970 version. So I have to go back and actually do some research now as to what was going on 50 years between. The making of the two but we'll see this, this is another entry in my my ongoing campaign for horror films stop being called the same as other horror films it's very confusing for us all oh yeah it happens it makes, all the time it, it makes googling <laughs> things really hard especially when two two films with the exact same name come out in the same year <laughs> then oh, it makes no. it really hard oh for us yeah all. oh yeah so stupid i'm like come on at least maybe just check it like just check yes. what else is going on in the industry before you decide to title a film that's something that's gonna be like really obviously the same as another film yeah i'm looking at you escape room and escape room 
Yep. Looking at you, dash cam and dash cam. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The gift, the gift and the gift. (laughs) No. (laughs) Too many gifts. (laughs) Um, Slightly just going back to what Zoe was saying as well, though. I like, I love David Cronenberg, but I also love Brandon Cronenberg. So the Cronenbergs are clearly just winners in my eyes the entire time. You throw any Cronenberg at me, like Brandon or David, and I will probably love it. And I mean, I feel like I feel like this entire podcast is just making me feel making me sound like I just love everything. But so far, so far, everyone has chosen some proper bangers. So they are bangers. And I and the Cronenbergs, they're, you know, as much as I don't, you know, particularly love David, um, you can tell that it clearly body horror. I mean, I don't know what their family dynamics were like, but wow, they must have had some fun <laughs> dinner parties at their house. Um well, then, Iona, over to you. Seeing as you love everything, what else have you watched and loved recently? Okay, so I am going to go from what I guess you would assume would be the least body horrorish to the most body horrorish, I think, in my picks, just because I feel like I want to explain myself for my first one. So I recently reread uh, a book uh, called Tender is the Flesh. And I, like, it is one of currently one of my favorite books um the reason that I reread it so soon after finishing it was just because it threw me through a loop I had no idea how it was gonna go kind of through the progression of the book um so I kind of wanted to reread to see if I could then pick up the I guess signs of where it was going still didn't still read it right to the end and was like uh, <laughs> um I'm not gonna spoil like the full the full thing about it but the reason I count this book as body horror is because of the kind of violation of bodies that is included within it within the story so the kind of short version is um meat has basically become dangerous for humans to consume uh it's either you go vegan or you start eating people uh so people start getting eaten and they start being raised as basically cattle um and it's very it's got like a lot of social commentary about it because there's certain kind of reasonings as to why certain people start getting eaten at the beginning and it kind of all falls into like political kind of reasons it but it also doesn't really delve into it directly you kind of get it just from the perspective of the character like the main character as he goes through the motions of it um and yeah it it's disturbing i feel like if you want a book that's going to really fuck with you in terms of basically questioning your eating habits (laughs) even this is coming from someone who is very much an omnivore like I eat everything and anything like I will try everything once kind of person really sorry I know I have vegan best friends and they're going to hear this and they're going to hate me for it um but I am one of those people that I do I do enjoy a slice of bacon every now and then uh and even me reading this kind of reviled everything it just made me feel really gross and horrible and it made me think about the perspective of if this happened in real life and what situation I would be in and I think to be honest it made me conclude that I would probably just nominate myself to be eaten because I wouldn't have to deal with the morals of eating other people I'd be like yeah there's enough there's enough on here for you go on take a bite it's fine (laughs) I fuck with this book so much it is one of and, and you know I I mean my my literature tastes are very similar to my film tastes that I'm like, oh, a book about cannibalism, bestiality, paedophilia. I will read all of those horrible things. But this book, 
I think it is much what you were saying, Iona, it's one of the books that really made me feel very like uncomfortable with my eating habits. I'm really kind of looking at like the meat industry and mm-hmm. how we kind of like see, you know, animals as me and what the process is. And again, I'm not going to say any spoilers, but that ending, oh. I was like, nah, nah, bro, I ain't having this. I was like, I'm putting that book down. And I like to read these kinds of books on holiday where you should be having a nice time. And I'm, I was like, I'm put that down and go for a swim. Don't know if I'll come back. Might just stay out there. Like, yep. it's... just just swim out and carry on swimming at that point. <laughs> yeah, it is disturbing. Ariel, yeah. Melissa, have you heard of the book? Have you read a, read the book at all? I've the the name sort of rang a bell, but I've not read it. Um, I've I've just now, as you've spoken, I've now ordered it online, so I'm going to read it. Good. <laughs> so that was a. It worked at that. Uh, yeah, your in your endorsements worked on me. Sounds really interesting. Um, yeah, it's definitely one that I feel like I've I've heard it definitely mentioned before. I'm like, yeah, it rings a bell. I don't know. Is it? Do you, has it ever been adapted? I don't know if I've heard of it. Yeah. Or is it still just? No, I think I think I think it's literally just been translated from its original language because it was it's it's a it's a book by an Argentinian author called um, Agustina Basureca. I really feel like I absolutely ruined the pronunciation of that, but she is a fantastic like writer. So I'm, I, I kind of want to like delve into more stuff that she's done because this book was like holy shit. Um, but yeah, it's it's so far, to my knowledge, it hasn't been adapted to anything. But if it does eventually get turned into a film or something, I will be right there. Like, I will be front row watching that. I also have already ordered this book since this conversation began because I also cannot wait to read this. Oh. <laughs> I I need to hear both of your reactions once you finish it for the first time because, put it this way, Zoe read it on holiday and wanted to carry on swimming. I threw the book at the wall. Like, it made me, like, physically respond. <laughs> I finished it, yelled, threw it at the wall and was like, nah! <laughs> and just lost my mind. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing book. And actually, my friend, um, so my good friend Nico, he also is a big, big book fan. Um, and he's Argentinian. He suggested Tender is the Flesh to me. And if you like that kind of vibe, there is another um, Argentinian author called Mariana Enriquez, who writes very dark, very disturbing, dangerous um, anthologies of short stories. I've finished her whole backlog. I'm waiting for her most recent book to be translated, but I'd also really recommend that um, to to everyone because she's she's along. It's like along the lines of Tender is the Flesh. Amazing. I'm gonna have to add that to my wish list because uh, that sounds right up my street after after reading it. Do it. So, Iona, what is your second pick? So my second one, I am going to talk about a game because I picked up my Switch again recently while I've been on a break from my from doing my master's course and stuff. People people that know me know that I'm usually doing about a million things at once, which includes my day job, school stuff, uh, my master's degree, and also trying to plan a wedding and also trying to learn to drive. So, you know, and, and also, you know, keeping up healthy and all that stuff. So I've had a moment. Summer, summer has happened. I've been able to put some of my shit down. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to pick up my Switch again. I'm going to replay some games. 
And I realized that in my little collection of Switch games, there was one called Little Nightmares that I got a long, long time ago now. And I hadn't played it all the way through. And I ended up basically finishing it within the space of two days because I got hooked. It was so much fun. It's a little bit, it's, I wouldn't say it's like a kiddie game, but it's like for a younger horror audience, I'd say. But it's creepy and it's spooky and it's very like puzzle orientated. But there's also like chase scenes and stuff. So it kind of has it all. Um, the reason I mention it in terms of body horror is because some of the bosses and some of the monsters you have to face in this game are horrific. There is one in particular that brings that brings body horror to mind, and that is a, a villain called the janitor. And he is like this grotesque, uh, like long-armed creature that follows you, but he is blind, so he can only smell or hear you. Um, so he has kind of, I think, I think, I can't remember whether it's like bandages over his eyes or actual skin over his eyes. He's very, like, his face is quite kind of uh, scary um, just because of like all the different bits and pieces. And he's got a hat on. It's kind of very, very Freddy Krueger kind of hat. And he chases you through the scene. You have to try and escape him as quickly as possible without making too much noise. Um, and that, I, I guess, kind of the creature creation in that just, gave me shudders every time I saw him I was like oh my god this is terrifying and basically the game plays upon exaggerated kind of horrors and terrors that you would have as a small child um and kind of brings them out in nightmares that you may have had when you were young so the little the main character is a little girl called uh six and she is running through this nightmare world and everything is like an exaggeration of what little kids see and what little kids feel um, and yeah, overall, kind of has a little bit of a Spirited Away vibe as well in the setting. So it's, it's spooky, it's fun, it's creepy, it has all the puzzle elements, it has the kind of body horror in the villains. Overall, like I would, I probably give it a, like a nine out of ten in terms of in terms of gameplay. It was, and it, and the puzzles are complicated enough that I sat there and got frustrated for a few hours. <laughs> so there's also that. This sounds very fun. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't even know, like, what a Nintendo Switch is because I'm so out of the gaming world. I'm like, is that, like, a PlayStation or... So like, you are a... so cute. <laughs> it's, I have uh, no idea. <laughs> the, Switch, the Switch is the Nintendo console that you can play handheld or you can plug it in, like, and use it, like, on your TV. So it has a portable mode and, a, like, on your on your TV, like, big games console mode. So I, I actually got it during the pandemic uh, so that I could be kept sane by Animal Crossing, funnily enough, like a nice little cute neighborhood animal game, which was not horror, like horror related in any way. And then now I'm starting to play things like Little Nightmares. <laughs> I do. It, yeah, don't realize I, I do have a Switch to my partner bought, but it's uh, it, it's uh, I'm very much the same. The I think the last the last gaming gaming system I properly was into was like the Amstrad CPC so that's really taking it back <laughs> like that is, early to that the is 80s throwback <laughs> that never never met a better game since but yeah I was like I do I do have access to a switch but I literally only use it to play Mario Kart um so it's great to get a, a recommendation for some horror gaming I also have access to a switch but it mostly is me just watching my husband play Zelda so you know. I mean, I also love Zelda, so <laughs> yeah. 
But I I honestly like have been contemplating getting into horror gaming very seriously. And because, okay, uh, not to bring it back to Guillermo del Toro, but this does bring it Please back do. to Guillermo del Toro. Uh, yeah, so Guillermo del Toro had this really fabulous game of Silent Hill that he created a demo for called PT. Yes. And it... Okay, I have a friend who showed me the demo this weekend, and I about flipped the fuck out. Yeah, because it was dark. It was so dark and so delightful, and it makes me want to get into horror gaming. And now that you've described Little Nightmares, I think you know I have to I have to go out and get that one too because. It's just so sad to me that like PT never became a fully fledged game because it would have been too expensive. And, you know, when when we think about all of the really wonderful creators there are out there coming up with this content, so few people actually think about the writing that it takes to create really strong video game content. And I think it's it's just so incredible what you're describing. I would love to see that. So. I also I also should say the the graphics in it are excellent. Like that it's 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 not quite three D, but it's not too. It's like two point five D. It's it's such an odd little mix of like graphics and stuff. And it's just it's delightful and gorgeous. And I love that in a horror game. If it, if you can capture me in terms of the artwork and kind of the world building around you as well, that's when I get fully invested in those kind of games. But to be honest, I. I, I say I'm a gamer. I'm a very casual gamer, and most of the games that I play are horror orientated. So, if you guys ever want any horror game recommendations, I'm sure I can name a few for you. And if not, I know that there are other ghouls, including people like Liz, who love horror games. Um, I think I think her poison of choice is the Resident Evil series, if I remember right. And I mean, I love I love the Resident Evil series. I love the Silent Hill series. Like all of those games really kind of cool to me. So yeah. Yeah, Liz actually, I just uh read her review of Resident Evil 4. And I'm not gonna mm. lie, like I am the biggest wimp at horror games. Like I tried to play Outlast, I climbed in the window, which is the beginning, and I went, nah. <laughs> I was like, I've got shit to do. I'm not playing that. So yeah, so maybe we can have a whole handing session. I'll watch you all play. Um What's your what's your last pick, Iona? So my last pick is also a a rewatch. Uh, I know all of mine have been a repeat. I'm a repeat offender. I can't I can't help myself. I'm a creature of habit. Um, my film that I've got to uh, recommend is an oldie but a goodie. It's Brain Dead, otherwise known as Dead Alive, uh, which is Peter Jackson, my man. Like. Before he did all the nerd shit, he went into the horror shit and it was so good. I think this is one of the only films that actually disgusts me. Um, I am very good with blood. I'm very good with gore. I mean, Zoe's trying to kind of get me into the more extreme side of stuff at the moment. And so far, it's been okay. Like, I haven't I haven't been too grossed out. But Braindead has every element of grossness and body horror that disturbs me. So we're talking like pus and like food grossness and all of that stuff that gives me the major major ick like I can feel my body 
being disgusted just talking about it. Um, yeah, it's ugh, custody squishy grossness at its best. <laughs> Melissa's like, hell no, like waving her hands, like don't want to do that. This is this is the only film that's ever made me physically vomit. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it's and so I do, like it's a brilliant film, and like I used to when I watched it probably watched it like 20 years ago for the first time and I was like it's it's gross and it made me throw up but it's fantastic film um and then I think my partner put it on for like a rewatch quite recent I was like I can't actually handle it anymore <laughs> I, <laughs> my body can't take it for some reason I thought like it would be a good idea so this is obviously going back a year or two now but I thought it'd be a good idea to watch Brain Dead again or Dead Alive again when I had COVID and it was mid-lockdown and I was really like I had the head fog. I was not very well. Like I had the high temperature, felt like I was having a little bit of a fever dream. And I thought, Do you know what would make me feel better? Let's put brain dead on. Stupidest decision I've ever made. So the rewatch that I did recently was the first one that I've done since then when I had my weird COVID brain dead experience that really messed with me. Um, and it wasn't as bad this time, thankfully, because I didn't actually physically be be sick this time but last time was not not a very positive experience for me if I'm honest oh my gosh I can't imagine that would be uh uh just hearing about that like oh I feel so sorry for you Iota I <laughs> love brain I, I love brain dead slash dead alive so much I think you know the first time I watched it was actually uh, watching somebody's horrible pirated YouTube version that was very pixelated and whatever, but it was still so delightful to watch in any incarnation. And I, I don't know, like, yes, it's gross. It's disgusting. It's like everything you could ever imagine over the top, but it's, it's such a fun film. It's I, It's just so... It is really just so gooey, isn't it? It's yeah. it, like the the definition of body horror really falls into brain dead. Like you can't describe the kind of stereotype like sections of body horror without using brain dead as an example of how gross it can get. And also, it was not even my introduction to Peter Jackson. Funnily enough, like my my introduction to Peter Jackson was his version of King Kong, and then it was Lord of the Rings. And then it was brain dead. So I kind of went backwards, I guess, in terms of what I should have watched for, for Peter Jackson. And then found out that he'd made this weird, like, horror film way back when. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I like horror. I'll give this a go. And was just changed. <laughs> like, it, it, it is definitely one of my favourite body horrors. And it will definitely freak me out every time I watch it. But I will go back to it again and again and again. Yeah, I really like this one as well. And I love his um, bad taste as well. And I'm like, I yes. feel like I'm just waiting for Peter Jackson to be like, do you know what? I'll dip my toes back into that that nasty little grimy world for a little bit. Because now, obviously, he'd get much bigger budget, can do the effects. You know, the effects are so good in like Brain Dead, but I feel like he would be able to take them to the next level. So maybe we should start like a petition for Peter Jackson to to give us something a bit you know a bit, bit grosser um more recently because I think that would I think it would, I think it would be good I think it'd be good yeah 
Yeah, like, come back, Peter. Back. Come back to us. Exactly. It's like <laughs> come back it. to the like little fandom that you started out <laughs> with. We're calling for you. Well, and he started with Heavenly Creatures with Melanie Linsky. And now that Melanie Linsky has come back to us via Yellow Jackets. Hell yes. You know, we we just need to push in that direction. Mm-hmm. It's coming full circle. I can see it happening. He's going to hear this podcast and it's going to be like, you know <laughs> what? I'm doing it for the ghouls. Um, okay, so I'm going to go through some of my picks. Um, Like I said, I actually don't watch that much body horror however that being said on the next season of um my our bloody obsession podcast with kelly which is obviously extreme horror we are doing extreme body horror so we are going to go really far into some very disgusting movies which i'm i'm not sure i'm ready for but hey we'll see how it goes um, so my first pick, we recently did um, the Ghouls Slumberthon, which was an event in Birmingham um, for charity, for Cruise Charity. We were at the Mockingbird Cinema, um, an amazing independent cinema that if you're up in Birmingham, do go and visit it because Lee and the team are phenomenal there. Um, we did a five movie overnight marathon which I'm not gonna lie I did sleep through the majority of it but I didn't sleep through um my next two picks so the first pick is John Carpenter's The Thing which is of course from 1982 it's a classic I feel like most people will have seen The Thing it's kind of a film that's hard to miss um and I never like really loved the thing like I liked it but I never felt like I had like a huge appreciation for it as a film and then when we re-watched it at Slumberthon and granted it was probably at like I don't know 1am or 2am something crazy and I think we we're all a bit bit delirious at that point but I was watching it and I was like even for a film from the 80s it's so much better than some of the recent body horrors the effects are still good and it is scary as fuck like that dog creature in the kennels when he comes out with his head I was like you know what I am just because of that I'm probably never going to get a dog because I just don't want to run the risk that I'm going to go in at night and be like you're right buddy and he's like this disgusting horrible monster Um, tentacles everywhere (laughs) yeah just like flipping about throwing all bits and bobs and I think, you know, watching it on a big screen as well was such a good experience. And obviously for a film from like the 80s, not that often you get to get to see it on the big screen and really like experience the visceral kind of, you know, emotions that it evokes. But yeah, it was it was amazing. And I'm so glad like I got to I got to re-see it. I mean, I feel like you've all probably seen the thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, so- yeah. We, I mean, me, me and Melissa were at this slumberthon with you, Zoe, and me and Melissa were sat together. And at the end of it, we were also sat with fellow ghoul Sarah, and the three of us went round and just did a ranking of like the best actors and stuff in in the thing. And we decided that the dog Kurt, Kurt Russell's hair came out yeah. pretty high. <laughs> Kurt Russell's hair came second, but the dog came first. The dog that runs through the snow at the beginning. We were like best actor ever. But like he's so good. Yeah. He's so he's well behaved as boy. well. 
He's such a good boy. No disrespect to the incredible ensemble cast that is the thing. They're all magnificent. But the dog is also something special. Yeah, Um, yeah. And yeah, so you can get, I feel like you can confidently get like a husky dog as long as you always listen to Norwegian people when they're warning you about your dog and then you'll be all right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like if only they knew Norwegian, they would have heard what they were saying at the beginning. Exactly. But yeah, it was it was actually so cool to see it on the on the big screen for the first time because I'd never I'd never seen it in the cinema before. Obviously, it not 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 trying to show my age, but it it came out about 12 years before I was born. So I wouldn't have had the chance to see it on its original release. But now that I've seen it in the cinema, I'm like, holy shit, I think that's the only way that I want to watch the thing from now on because it was incredible seeing all the special effects and stuff as well, like on that big screen just made them kind of just like drilled home how incredible they are and how well they still stand up to this day. So now I'm incredibly jealous of all of you for having seen <laughs> it on the big screen because I've never seen it on the big screen. I've probably watched it like seven, eight times, something like that. It's one of the films that when people ask me, like, what's your favorite horror movie? It's not actually my favorite horror movie, but it's the one I tell dudes is my favorite horror movie because <laughs> I I think they'll respect me more if I say that one versus like, you know, the Babadook or Candyman or, you know. But they are also both bangers. <laughs> they are. They are. But it's it's funny because like I, you know, I, I, I'm always extremely self-conscious about who I'm telling what to as my favorite horror movie anyway. And so I guess in that way, I am the thing because I shape <laughs> anyway. You shift and you change every single I conversation. Do. I do. Anyway, I yeah, feel I like, like was... I... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, it was, uh, um, like you were mentioning about seeing the special effects on the screen and how incredible they are, which is, yeah, it really brings it home. Um seeing it off the cinema there is um there's a really good like little documentary about the special effects if any if you anyone who's watched the thing and really like those i think it's just on the extras for like the standard dvd at least in the uk um i'll have to look up the exact name of it but it's really great um just look at all the all the special effects makers and you can see like all the miniatures they made like they made a miniature of parts of the base that they could then like burn down and you see so many like concept drawings and models and like all those sort of incredible and it was really groundbreaking work that they were doing um figuring out how to make it's it's like and it's fascinating seeing people talk quite seriously about how to make like a head like drip off a body and then scuttle away like it's so hard with scuttling (laughs) so but yeah it's, it's a fab documentary if anyone's if anyone loves the thing and wants to see more about how it was made, although I have to remember the, the name of it. I'm definitely going to have to look that up because that sounds right up my street. You know, what I'm like with special effects and things. Anything that shows me how to, I'm there. I will. I'll also have to have a look at this. But I do sometimes feel like if I look into it too much, I'm like, oh, knowing how they made it takes me out of it a bit. Sometimes I'm like, I just want to imagine like it is a real alien you know, parasite, like infecting these bodies. Um, Okay, so my second pick is sticking with the 80s um, and another film we watched at Slamberthon um, because I actually haven't done that much watching of movies at all since then because, you know, life um, was Hellraiser, which this is one of my all-time favourite films. Like, it always has been. I always quote it. I remember watching the entire 
um, series up to where it was God knows how long ago. But with my dad, my dad was like, I think you'd like this. Um, and my my dad has shown me some films that maybe I'm like probably not appropriate to watch with your dad, like sitting in between my mum and my dad watching Irreversible, which we're not going to talk about that experience because I have trauma. Um, you yeah. know, therapy is not helping that one, but that's fine. Uh, Hellraiser, yeah, like, I, again, not seeing this on the big screen, so really enjoyed it. And it's just so, it's so in a, I mean, it's maybe not classified as like typical body horror, but, but because it's so kind of like, gooey and bloody and it takes you into this realm of like being very I guess very sexual um and very into the kind of like kink BDSM space that to me it is very much about the body and being in your body and you know watching like Frank regenerate by taking the life out of other bodies and they're kind of like physical connection with one another um between him and Julia I just felt like it really fits into that kind of body horror sphere and I watched it and one I was like why am I not going to marry Frank because it's weird but he's kind of really sexy in a really wrong way and yeah I just find this film so like horny and amazing and I when it finished I was like I'm done for the night like I've seen the one film I wanted to see I'm happy I've got my fill of whatever kind of weird kink I've got um yeah it's just I mean it's just amazing like is there anything else to say about Hellraiser really just how much of an icon Julia is she's phenomenal it's like oh yeah like what a character so good. it's yeah and yeah definitely Uncle Frank is definitely a <laughs> it's like my weird horror crush <laughs> weird Uncle he's, Frank from he's Hellraiser. definitely an acquired he's, taste let's put it that way <laughs> he's definitely hot at the beginning less hot as the <laughs> As it, progresses. as it becomes a sort of mushy slightly fleshy skeleton <laughs> oh, i don't but know the... i'd argue with that with you on that one <laughs> melissa i think you know there's something abstract about it that i like we just do we each just, their own <laughs> i was say we're just outing zoe's type here which is apparently mushy abstract men <laughs> hey hit up those dms you know i'm free oh, i'm God. around mushy <laughs> abstract men I would not I would not advertise that on like a dating app or something like into mushy abstract men. You're going to get some very odd messages. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> I um, I think I think one of my favorite uh, kind of anecdotes, I guess, that I've heard about Hellraiser is um, I can't remember what context it was in, but fe- fellow ghouls Cat Hughes mentioned before about how Hellraiser was her like forbidden film growing up. And how um, it was, I think, like her mom didn't like it because she was scared of the chattering Cenobite. And like, she was like, oh, hell no, like, you can't watch this film. And then the one time that Kat decided to watch it, her mom came upstairs and was like, what are you watching? <laughs> and she was like, ah, Hellraiser. And her mom was like, nope. And just like outed out the room straight away and was like, I'm done. I'm gone. You watch that on your own time. <laughs> I love, I love the thought of like, the forbidden fruit of that body horror being part of like the forbidden conversation with family members. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, like I said, my dad showed me it, but I was like, I don't feel like you should be showing me this dad. I was like, I feel like it's a bit, a bit kinky for, for my dad to show me. Um, 
But do you also like this one, Ariel? I feel like I feel like you vibe with Hellraiser. Come on. Oh fuck yeah. Oh <laughs> fuck yeah. Like Hellraiser and I, we go back. And like <laughs> I I love this movie so much. The first time I ever saw this one, I saw it on the big screen. And it was love at first sight. And I just I I absolutely adore this film. Um, it is kinky as shit, and I love that about it. I am also in love with Frank. I'm also in love with Julia. You know, I just uh everything about and and I will say, like, I think that Hellraiser exists for me in this sort of special place of like, you know, pain and sex and pleasure like in this really unique way that I think the the kink scene has really adopted Hellraiser in a very specific sort of way. But I think like also when I think about disability and horror, I also think about Hellraiser in those senses too. Um, because I do think that like uh, the way that the Cenobites are depicted is also really fascinating to me. And anyway, I I just I I go I go, yeah. I I'm I'm a fanatic about this film. I love it. I'm glad we're we're all Hellraiser fans, and you know we clearly all have um, some questionable tastes, but you know we're all together on this one. So my last pick is a book. Um, because like I mentioned, do a lot of, of book reading, probably read maybe more than I watch films nowadays. Um, a recent book I read was a book called Intercepts, uh, which is by an author called T.J. Payne. I saw this on one of my TikTok deep dives where I'm like most disturbing books because I've, I've found all the disturbing movies. So now obviously I'm need to find all the disturbing books um and it's about a facility which does human experimentations and what they essentially aim to do is take these humans which you kind of never find out where they come from um and strip the humans of all of their senses so they're deprived of sight hearing smell taste and they also put this gas within their room that disconnects them from their nerves so essentially they are in a void of space where they are conscious um, but they cannot feel their body and they do not know what's around them and they're not connected to their body or their sense. So they are kind of just like a consciousness, not understanding where they are. Um, and the book follows the guy that is like the facility manager, Joe, who kind of knows what they're doing, um, but doesn't really. It's a good paying job. It pays the bills. Um, and essentially what they then use these, they call them intercepts for, is to then strip them of the gas and they re they can refill their bodies which causes them extreme pain like the worst pain um but they can in intercept the minds of criminals um around the world for the government um and they can basically send back that information um to the facility so they can catch like the bad guys but what starts to happen is one goes a bit insane and the body horror in this book is 
I personally think that writing body horror can be a really difficult thing to do because you have to be so descriptive with the words. And there's a couple of scenes in there which are quite early on in the book. So it's not it's not really a spoiler where they're talking about how this one intercept is basically ripping through another man and shredding him with her her hands, but going through, through, through every part of the body. And I was reading it, I was like, the image in my mind was so poignant. And it just, and that's like the first chapter of the book. And it just gets worse and worse. And it's got a lot of like psychological elements in there as well. But I found it like, it is bleak as fuck. It's really brutal. And it kind of just doesn't let up at all through the entirety of the book. I, I bought it on a whim. I wasn't entirely sure if I'd like it because it was like, oh, it's a bit sci-fi. I put the book down. I was like, well, I am feeling incredibly disturbed right now. But that was absolutely excellent. Um, I don't know if any of you have, have heard of this book or read anything kind of like similar to this. No, do you know what? I like this is a complete blind spot for me, but it sounds amazing. Like this sounds like the type of book that I would definitely want to read. I mean, I, I I kind of go by your recommendations anyway for books and things anyway, because I know that you're quite kind of, li- I was, I was, I was say you're quite literate, but you know what I mean? Like you're quite kind of, your awareness of like horror writing seems to kind of give quite good recommendations. Um, the, when, when you first started describing it, it sounded like, um, you know, some people can get like locked in syndrome, I think it is, you know, when like you, yeah. you're, you, you, you're aware that you exist, but you can't. Like it's like it's like being in a coma, but being aware of the fact that you're in a coma, which is le- the most terrifying thought to me. Like being locked in your own body and not being able to communicate that you're there is terrifying. Like that is so, so scary. So I feel like, first of all, that premise from the offset is horrific. But then being reconnected to all those nerves and having that pain like rush through you, it made me feel weird you describing it. So it definitely sounds like something I need to read. Yeah, this is a, it's another one I've just uh, put in an order for because it sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I've popped on. But yeah, it sounded, um, I mean, just your descriptions there, I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty intense. And if it doesn't let up, that's going to be an interesting ride. It wondered the, a little bit of the premise and also just talking about the, you know, one of these uh, people just like going through someone and like really aggressively re- reminds me a little bit of the beginning of Possessor as well. Um Branding yeah. so you know that's yeah. obviously your jams. So that that's the same thing of having your yeah your consciousness moved and manipulated for like a kind of you know some kind of a, a project, um like being kind of being put to work in a slightly sinister way. So yeah, that and that's one of like possesses a massive favorite of mine. So that kind of reminders, yeah, sounds really intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Again, I think it's that kind of like body horror plus mind horror that I'm like whoa I really like that because I'm like creepy yeah I I can't wait to read this one now so that's exciting thank you for sharing that Zoe that's all right I feel like we're starting a little I'm going to start a little book club here with uh disturbing horrible books maybe that's uh another podcast look I told you we're just we're literally strategically planning throughout this episode I love it wow 
that brings us to the end. Thank you so much um, for joining me to talk about all things ooey gooey, sticky and body horror. It has been a pleasure. Um, Melissa, where can people find you? Um, so best place to just look me up is just go on Twitter. I am at Chloe Oriel, which is C-H-L-O-E-O-R-I-E-L. And yeah, join up, uh, become a Ghouls member and you'll be able to read all of my short film recs. That's an ongoing thing. So yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, Melissa. And Ariel, where can everyone find you and also access horror? The easiest place to find me and access horror is arielbasca.com. Um, A-R-I-E-L-B-A-S-K-A.com. Uh, accesshorror.com is my film festival, but also uh, you can find me on Instagram at just ask a Basca, um, but it's it's easier to get to all of the links just on my website. That's my name. Thank you very much, Ariel. And Iona, where can everyone find you? Um, you can usually find me releasing uh, reviews, lists, editorials on Ghouls Magazine, or if you want to catch me on social media, uh, you can catch me pretty much everywhere with the name fall underscore out underscore Iona, because I'm still a dirty emo kid, even to this day. Um, yeah, and most of the time you'll just catch my rambling word vomits on there. So enjoy that. Thank you very much, Iona. You can find me on socials at Sober with a Shotgun, talking about nasty gross things as usual so i do apologize in advance for that um you can come find us ghouls magazine on twitter or at ghouls mag on instagram we're also on facebook if you search ghouls magazine um and you can also go to our website um thank you to anyone that has become a member recently your support is really really appreciated if you like what you hear please give us a like subscribe rate on whichever platform you are listening to and if you would like to sign up to articles like Melissa's Amazing Shorts, um, or we have lots of other editorials and reviews and extra bonus podcast episodes, um, you can become a Ghouls member for just $4.99 a month. So check our show notes or head to ghoulsmagazine.com. Um, you can also find us on Ghouls Magazine on all of your favorite social media sites, which I already said, um, which I leave in every single episode in this bloody script and say it every time so you know i'm just i'm just plugging away as we go um thank you so much for listening i've been your host zoe and until next time keep it ghoulish